guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dropadoos podcast. Yes, that was that was very emphatic opening. That's probably the most emphatic opening I've had so far. I am here with my co-host Frank Todd, and we're here for another episode. It's number fifteen. Fifteen. Fifteen episodes. You guys have listened to us ramble about sports for fifteen different episodes, and boy. Are we excited to give you another whole bunch of episodes? Frank, I am feeling ecstatic today. I am feeling energetic. I had my coffee and my coffee actually like woke me up. So I am I am ready to go today. Let's jump right into it. Should we talk some NCAA basketball? Let's do it. So I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to start this off by saying I was wrong. Creighton is a dumpster fire. They are not a good team. They are not a good team. They are horrible. Back-to-back losses, the Butler in Providence. That's bad. That's bad. (laughs) It was – I watched the game last night because I had Creighton money line in a parlay, and it was just bad, bad. Oof. Um, Yeah, Creighton, I don't – I don't trust those small small market teams. I know I should. Like, is is Kansas technically a small market team? I mean, are we by actual market size? Yeah, because Kansas, because it's not a big spot in Lawrence, Kansas. But they have such a diehard fan base from being Kansas and being the blue chip program that I wouldn't consider them a small market. Like, there's no like, there's I would consider. <laughs> I would consider small markets to be like Northwestern uh, basketball, where even though it's in a big city, it's got a small like business to it. Um, but yeah, so outside of of Creighton, absolutely sucking right now. They are six and three in the Big East, and the, the Big East looks competitive. Um, UConn would couldn't stay in the top twenty five for more than six seconds. Villanova's running away with this conference. I mean, of course, they always do. But I think that I have a surprising thought that Nova's going to have a bad loss in the tournament. I think that they're going to end up playing someone like Marquette, and Marquette's going to just get hot at the right moment and upset them in the Big East tournament. I could see that, but not in the, not in the national ter- championships. I think, I think no, no. Nova's going to be the one seed in like, the national, and I'm sure they're going to just – I'm sure they're going to be just fine. I'm talking about the Big East, not the not the actual one that matters. I'm talking about the Big East. Yeah, especially <laughs> for those, especially for those big teams, they're not playing for too much. Yeah, I mean, if you look at someone like Seton Hall, Xavier, or Marquette, and even Providence, they're playing for a they're like ride or die for a last four in type of spot. Some like Nova, even if they're in that Big East tournament, they're going to get a spot in anyway, so it doesn't matter if they win or lose. Yeah, or same thing with – I feel like Creighton might because Creighton would want to, like, at least show that they're an actual team in the big in the biggest tournament. But Unless Creighton has a really, really bad run, like, I'm talking they don't – they win, like, three or four more games, they're going to be fine. They'll be I fine. mean, this is still – this is still a team who has some nice wins, who played some good teams close, like Kansas – they're st- they still have a, at least a resume. They just are in a little cold streak. Okay, I have a not so hot take, but I believe it's kind of is a hot take. What's up? I believe Houston is a national title contender. 
Oh, I don't know. The thing is, I don't know how good they are because, again, they're one of these teams where if you look at their schedule, they beat Texas Tech, which now looks like a great win. But other than that, they just haven't played anyone. It's the problem. Well, uh, let's it, see. They they lost to Tulsa by one. That's their only loss. But then they came around a couple days ago and slaughtered them by 30. Yeah. But, I mean, Tulsa isn't uh, – first of all, it's only 21. Big difference, I know. Tulsa isn't good. You, Houston is a talented team. It's just the question of how will they match up with someone like a Baylor or a Clemson. I was going to say Clemson, but they suck now. Like a Baylor or Wisconsin in the tournament who are going to be battle-tested because they actually had to go against good teams. Like if you look at Baylor, I like Baylor more than Gonzaga right now because Baylor's 12-0 and 0, and they've had to go against the Kansases, the Texas I, Techs. I agree with that up into a point. I agree that working with that kind of helps you in those longer, I guess, longer stretches. But also, plus just playing devil's advocate, that can also hurt you simply because you're playing so much hard basketball. You start to get a little worn out. You start to get those injuries. And then you have a Houston or a Gonzaga come up who who have been playing puff balls. Well, okay, hang on. I don't want to put I don't want to put Gonzaga in that same category because first of all, Gonzaga's non conference schedule is Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia, and then it was supposed to be Baylor, but it got postponed, and Iowa and UVA. That think, is. Do you think Gonzaga and Baylor are going to play each other one more time? I think so. In the postseason. Well, maybe in like well, if it's postponed, it's not canceled. So, ESPN says postponed, but I find it I find it hard to believe that Gonzaga is going to want to take a break from their puffball schedule right now yeah. to play Baylor. But I mean, okay, so Baylor is a very very good team. I do want to talk about that. Baylor's they, gonna Baylor's good. <laughs> eight point wins over Texas Tech and Kansas for their last two games, which, by the way, that Kansas game is. Going to go down as the all-time bad beat. That's a, a, a half a half court hail mary. I'm sure he knew the spread too. I mean, college athletes have admitted they know the spread. He definitely knew it. Oh but yeah, I mean, he that was, was a half so court meaningless three in garbage time to cover the spread. If is... you were a Baylor minus eight and a half backer, you might want to take the rest of the year off gambling. You might you might want to like breathe, maybe see a psychiatrist or something. Oh. Yeah, that that was a tough tough break. I mean, don't obviously kill them. We've talked about how they're a good team, they've good matchups. The problem for them is going to be their schedule. I mean, if you look at it, okay, they got Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Auburn to end this month, so that's not that tough. But then February, they've got to play Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia twice. In Kansas again, it's a tough turn. That's a tough run. West Virginia hasn't been able to beat these great teams though, because they're they are two and three in conference. All three of their losses have come against ranked teams. So well, they lost to Oklahoma, who isn't ranked. Yeah, or they they lost to Oklahoma. Um, yeah, they're but like okay, so yeah, they also lost to Gonzaga too. But but again, that's a good loss. Kansas is a good loss. Texas is a good loss. Oklahoma is in. It's not like when you look at a team like West Virginia, yeah, they have four losses, but they're against three of the top 15. Three of them are against the top 15 teams in the country. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, but you, you can also say that you can't win the big games. 
so if you if you can't get over that hump, then there's a more of an issue. But on the same side, they have a chance to prove it more again. Because again, they got to do the same thing. They got to play Texas Tech twice. They got to play Kansas, Baylor, and Texas. They have all these chances to prove it. And I mean, just statistically speaking, they're going to win at least one of those games. Like you got to, you're not going to lose. They're not going to lose every single game. Um, well, I guess I guess we'll we'll find out because once. Uh, so you can talk about statistics and say the probability of of West Virginia winning a couple of these games is like fifteen percent or twenty percent, but also that is taking only into the numbers into account. And also, it, uh, the 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 issue with statistics is that it doesn't take human emotion into the, into account. So you can look at the numbers, but you you can say like you can say yeah, like you should win at least one or two of these. But once you lose four or five of those games in a row against ranked opponents, it is hard to get out of that slump. It is hard to stop thinking about how you cannot finish the job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because that that's so, the issue. Like all their, because three of their four losses, like especially West Virginia is, uh, have been against ranked opponents. If you can't win those games, you on, you almost automatically chalk it up as a loss. Yeah, but I mean, there. I think West Virginia has the talent to win one of those games. I mean, they're a good defensive team, so they match up well in these situations. They do. Bob Huggins has really done well with that team. Uh, but that that just shows how deep the Big Twelve is. So I think the other big story right now is postponements. We've had nine top twenty-five games postponed between one, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Jesus Christ! Which is a lot. There were seven top twenty-five games postponed last night. You had Vatek, BC, St. Louis, UMass, Texas, Iowa State, UVA, NC State, Texas Tech, TCU, Xavier, UConn, and Minnesota, Nebraska. This is going to become a problem because you can't you can't keep having these games postponed, postponed, postponed. If Eventually, you have play. to play at the tournament. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do if some tournament games need to be postponed? I know there's, like, the bubble, but still, even though there is a bubble, they can still get postponed. Like, someone can sneak out or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there have already been four postponements for this weekend. Saturday's Illinois-Michigan State game. Saturday's Texas Tech-Iowa State game. Is Michigan Saturday's State still team? canceling games? Yes, they're still canceling games. Jesus Christ. Same with TCU in Texas. And then Sunday, Nebraska, Iowa got postponed. And yeah. clearly it's in Nebraska, bro, because Iowa's playing IU tonight. Yeah. So that's... these teams are eventually going to have to find ways to play these games. I... Is it? Okay, so out, outside of the postponement issue, plain and simple, yes or no, is tonight Indiana versus Iowa a make or break game for the Hoosiers? Is it make or break game for the Hoosiers? And I guess I guess I can I can elaborate a little bit more about what that means. So I mean, yeah, at this point, yeah, they're eight and seven. They're coming off. They don't have that marquee win yet. They beat in Maryland and Nebraska and Penn State in the Big Ten. Ooh, so impressive. They need to get wins. And coming up with Iowa, Rutgers, and Michigan, they have to win two of those three games or season's done. I personally think that 
if they don't win a game then this month, Archie Miller's out the door before the end of the season. I could agree with that. Or we have to win one of these three games. You do. No, you absolutely do. So, in kind of the same spirit, I want to tell you a hilarious gambling story from the other night. All right, let's hear it. So, as everyone knows, I gave advice on this podcast that you should bet against the Missouri Valley State basketball team every game of the season <laughs> because they are 0 12 and they're 3 9 officially against the spread. So, Monday night, I followed that advice and I bet on Southern University minus 23 points against them. And so it's a midway through the first quarter, first half, sorry, and I go to check ESPN. It says Missouri Valley State is up 20. I'm like, oh my God. How are they? This is, this is screwed. How are they going to cover a 23 point line when they're down 20? So I, you know, go about my day thinking I'm screwed. I decided to check Action Network to see how the rest of my bets are doing. And Action Network says Southern is up 25 at half. So I'm like, wait, what is going on here? So I go back to check ESPN and it has Southern still down, or sorry, it's 22 at half and has Southern down 22 and a half. I'm like, okay. What is happening? I'm really confused. So it turns out ESPN had a glitch in their system, and Southern was actually up at half, but they had him down. So when they ended, I was thought I was screwed, and they ended up winning by 41 points. <laughs> I mean, I that that's why I always double check scores. Like I, but I think I think, like... I think, that, I think that's smart because a lot of times everybody places all this happiness and love on ESPN. Sometimes it's not all that correct. Well, I use like five different score apps. So I use ESPN for more like the mainstream ones, like your MLB, NBA, and NHL. I use the score when I want to check football scores because it's easier to see placement on the field. And then I use something called flash scores when I want to check tennis and soccer scores. Oh, I, I, I check tennis scores with the ATP app. So uh, the only reason I don't use the ATP app anymore is on flash scores. You can um, single out like favorite matches. So like when I'm betting on the Australian up and qualifying, I don't have to scroll through 40 matches to find the score I'm looking for. Uh, I can just star all my people and go to a separate page. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I might have to download that. So yeah, that's the reason I like the, that's the reason I like flash score. Cause I mean, it keeps, it's quicker than ESPN with it. And it's the same pace as ATP, but at least it lets you single out the players you want. So that way you don't have to – and same thing with every other sport. That way you don't have to fight through a whole bunch of different ads to figure out which one you want. Yeah, that is true. So I figured we could do a little weekend preview because there's some good games going on on the weekend. The game that doesn't matter anymore is the yukon Crane game in the Big East. I mean, <laughs> not to make or break for Crane season in the Big East. They might as well stop playing if they don't win that game. I, I think also – this is going to sound dumb – I believe Baylor Oklahoma State's gonna be a really good game. I don't know. I don't think Oklahoma State can keep up with them, honestly. Oklahoma State is the best player in the nation. They have what Cunning Cunningham? I forget. I, I think that's his name. Yeah, I just don't think they have any, I don't think they have yeah. enough besides him. Cade Cunningham, a freshman out of Arlington, Texas, is a six-eight guard. Um, guard. 6'8". He's averaging 17 points a game, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and shooting 45%. This guy's supposed to be the projected number one pick. So, I like to think that he could keep any any um, team in a game, especially 
when he scores 20 against Kansas. Well, the uh, problem's going to be it's just him. If you look at Baylor, they got four guards averaging double digits in points per game. And then the forward, whose name I won't even try to pronounce because I will be absolutely horrid at it. Um, I mean, I guess Chama, I still think that's a game to watch. I can't, I, like I said, I can't even pronounce it. I think the best game of the weekend is going to be Ohio State-Wisconsin. Mm. That is a absolutely crucial game for the Big Ten. And, I mean, it's just two heavy hitters going against each other on Saturday. Uh, I'm looking on Sunday because, obviously, that is – oh, well, the only – yeah, the only top 25 game on Sunday is Nebraska-Iowa. But we do have Indiana right? Rutgers on Sunday. Great. What a great game to watch. All right, let's talk some NBA so I don't go ranting about how Archie Miller is the worst coach ever. Well, Archie Miller is going to be – if he goes 0-3, if he loses three more games in a row, he's gone. Yeah. He's so just... I think the big story in the year now is – the Cavaliers are really good, man. Colin Sexton is a stud. He dropped 44? 42. I'm looking at the box for right now because I was about to mention it. 12-point win over the Nets in double OT. Colin Sexton scored 17 straight at one point in overtime for in the overtimes for them. I, think, I mean. And I think that's a good win, too, because I believe the Nets are, like, actually going to be a good team everybody was wondering if the Harden Durant and Irving trio was going to actually be successful and I think it will be I mean we'll see what happens still pretty early into the narrative for it it's only been three games and I mean it's gonna sound mean but I mean we've seen it Kyrie can butt heads with teammates very quickly when there's another big personality or budding star we saw it in Cleveland with LeBron. We saw it in Boston with Jason Tatum. There can be problems, and I hope it doesn't collapse because I want best for Kyrie. I want to like Kyrie. She just doesn't make it easy. Would I mean? I guess yeah. But if if Kyrie can get like a, you know, his head on on straight, because Durant and Harden have already played together for many years. I'm sure those guys are just buds. I'm. I don't. I didn't think it take. So I'm sure they're friends, but we do gotta we do gotta give one preference. They did play together before they were this good. Harden wasn't this, even close to this level at OKC. That is true. And then Durant was, but yeah, I guess he still left. But I mean, Durant got better, obviously, since he, he's because he was still young. I mean, but he's still uh, good. I think the biggest problem is going to be when you come down the stretch. Who is when you come down the stretch of these most important games in these last couple minutes? All three are going to want the ball in the last minute, and that's going to cause chaos when it's in the bigger games. I think that I think you're wrong, um, and and I think you're wrong because I have James Harden on my fantasy team, and while I, <laughs> I think you're, that, that, that's not the exact point I wanted to make, um, I have but, Kevin Durant on my fantasy team for well, talking exactly, fantasy teams. But, but from what I was trying to say, I think there would have been butting heads if Kyrie was the one. But I, I think I like the, like the point guard. I think Harden's turning into this sort of leader for this team and almost ironing out everything because he hasn't been scoring a ton, but he's been passing the ball. 
I think he had 15 assists the other night or, or something insane. So if he's being able to pass to, if he can basically just decide where to delegate his passes. So whether it's to Durant for three or, or, or whoever, um, I think that's how they're going to be successful is if they rely on James Harden to get the ball around. Cause I don't think he's going to be shooting that much. Um, I think he shot so much in Houston because there was nobody else outside of outside of um, John Wall. Now, I guess there was, there was Russ, but I think, I think he's kind of taking that leadership mentality. I think he Harden has less of an ego than the other two, especially Kyrie Irving. Well, I think there are very few people in the world with the egos like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But, I mean, let's be honest here. They've earned the right to have big egos. They're both NBA champions. They're both stars. They, or they've earned the right to be have egos and be the guy. Harden, hasn't, Harden has been the guy. He just hasn't developed the ego because he hasn't carried his team to the title land yet, so he's still hungry to want more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between them. I'm um, uh, okay. So uh, outside of the Nets, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings. I am still impressed that the Knicks are seven and eight. Uh, yeah, they're starting to slip. We'll see what's happening. So are the Heat, by the way. The Heat are struggling. The the Heat the Heat got to the finals last year. <laughs> they this... did. They did. I mean, the Heat are coming off a tough stretch. You had the Sixers to back to back. The Pistons back-to-back. And then you have the Raptors back-to-back. Playing teams on back-to-back nights is... Or back-to-back times, I should say, is tough. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to sweep those games. It is very hard to sweep those games. And then, unsurprisingly, the Pistons have taken their spot as the worst team in the NBA. As the worst team in the NBA. I think uh, we saw that one coming. I mean, granted, the T-Bulls and the Rockets aren't far behind them. Well, I... Yeah, but... They're 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 pretty damn bad. But I'm I'm looking right now. Sorry, I'm kind of getting uh, a little bit sidetracked because I am researching the Utah Jazz right now, who are, I would say, the surprise of the West so far, outside of the uh, number one Suns podcast in Indiana. Um, well, something is, Jazz are a very good team. They're probably the best outside the Pacific Division. Because I mean, thinking about it, the Pacific Division right now. Clippers and Lakers eleven and four, Suns eight and five, Warriors eight and six. That's the that's two four of the top five spots in the playoffs right now. And then you have the Jazz just hanging out there in the middle of them at ten and four. And then you have the Kings, the other and last Pacific Division team. The Kings don't count. The but King... I mean, yeah, the Jazz have some good players though. I mean, I love Mitchell. I love Bogdanovich. Jerwan Morgan is maybe getting some playing time. He's yet to score this season, but he's hey, he started a playoff game last year. He did. That's all you have to know. That's all he started. He's playing three point three minutes a game. He's a, he's a key player on the team. Okay. Well, he, okay, but whether he's getting a lot of minutes or not, he's getting a paycheck. That's true, but we want him to be a star. He has the worst player efficiency rating on the team. He's a negative PER. You know what? He's on the bench. That's all the that matters. He's, he's not watching it at home. Uh, I mean, I think things are starting to get interesting in the NBA because we're now starting to kind of see teams pan out and see what's happening with them. Like, this, for example, we're going to talk in Celtics here. 
they still haven't played a game with Jason Tatum, Kyrie, or, or not Kyrie, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown all together yet. So once that trio starts to play together, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. And you're seeing a lot of that throughout the league because of players with COVID. Like we haven't seen a lot of Josh Richardson with Luca because Richardson has COVID. Hmm. Um, I think yeah, we're. I'm not sure who who are who are the teams that are really struggling, COVID wise, like sickness wise. I mean, it was the it was the Celtics. Now it seems like it's the Grizzlies. They've had a bunch of postponements this week. Yeah, I the Grizzlies had a really good game against the Suns. Uh, I only know the Grizzlies had their last four games postponed, which will take them through the week. I think which will take them all the way to next Wednesday. Hmm. Interesting. I guess yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a watch bomb saying that the Grizzlies are now parked at home. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just hanging out, so they're definitely being hit the worst by COVID. But honestly. I think everyone is being hit by COVID except like one or two teams. Like, for example, the Bulls have only had one game postponed and that was not because of their COVID. That was the Celtics COVID. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's probably a better deal to get sick early. I mean, obviously the goal is for nobody to get sick and we, we want everybody to be healthy. Um, Dropity's podcast uh, says yes to masks. Um, if you don't wear a mask, wear, here, okay. This is gonna sound really mean, but I'm gonna say what you're trying to say in these simpler terms. We want everyone to have be healthy, but if you were to get COVID, players, sometimes people getting COVID can lead to really fun situations, like Taco Falls playing 20 minutes in a game. Yeah, or or everybody <laughs> gets the antibodies, and then magically, you know. Ah, there are less postponements later on in the year. Tucker Falls playing tw- Tucker Falls playing twenty minutes in a game is the best thing to ever happen. Twenty twenty. Uh, oh, twenty twenty one. Sorry. Ta- Taco Fall twenty twenty. Taco Falls. Oh, good Taco time. Falls should just run for president. I think that's even even if it, even, even though it's not allowed, he should still run for president. Taco Falls should just be allowed unlimited eligibility in college. I just want to see him dunking over really short people. You see, I wish. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine him in like the European leagues, where nobody's super tall? God, I love soccer falls. All right. Uh, do you want to take our first commercial break and come back with some NHL action? And we're back. Oh, I love being back. I, that that's my favorite commercial of all time. It's a beautiful commercial. Beautiful. So we're still in the early parts of the NHL season. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of postponements. But I think the one thing that's sending out to me is there's a lot of overtime games. There really are. There are a lot of overtime if, games. And I think because eventually, I, I wonder, I haven't been able to check, and I'll probably do the research once we're done and report back next episode. But I wonder how games are coming outside of the first time that these teams are playing each other. So, like, like, for example, the Knights are playing the Coyotes four times in a row, which is a lot. But when you play a team four times in a row, you start to kind of get used to them. So, so I just kind of pulled it up real quick. One team, look at this. So Detroit and Columbus, the Columbus Blue Jackets played each other on Monday, Tuesday. Monday, 
Blue Jackets win 3-2 in regulation. Tuesday, they lose 3-2 in OT. So I think there is a little bit of trends you see like that happening. Like the Red Wings lost their first game against the the Hurricanes, and then they won another one 4-2. So that is actually pretty interesting. I'd love to see the the Bruins. You see it in the – I mean, it's not quite what you're looking at. The Bruins beat the Devils in a shootout, then lost in OT. I mean, I do think you're seeing that trend. Now, I think there's also some standouts to it, like the Capitals, who lost to the Penguins in a shootout and then lost the next night in OT. So, I guess, for example, if anybody's looking for an NHL bet tonight, and Frank, I will back you on this if you want to go for it, it is the Canucks and the Canadians. The Canucks won 6-5 um, the, the, what was it, yesterday or the day before. And they're playing the Canadians tonight, so I'm I'm thinking the Canadians are a good bet tonight. I'm thinking, hang on, this is called live Frank checking me line on his totally legal sports book because we are over the age of 21 and we are in a state where it is legal. So this is so. Let's see, what team? Uh, Montreal, Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. The Canadians are favorite right now, and the. Over under six and a half. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I guess there were there were eleven goals. That's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals. I mean, I guess the, I guess there were ten, and it was an overtime game. So, but because we're having some fun here and talking some hockey gambling, if we were looking at the Grand Salami tonight, the away teams are favored to score more goals tonight, with the over under for total goals sitting at thirty five and a half. Yo. 35 and a half for one, two, three, four, five, six games. So 35, six. Though it's basically, wow, that is a lot. Six goals a game. That's a lot. That's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals. Kind of want to take sure. the under. Uh, maybe. I, I actually might take the over on that. Normally when it's that high, I like to go the over because I think the sports book knows something that I don't <laughs> Oh, I don't know. You know what? Let's have some fun. Life's, you know, life is too short to bet the under. Let's have some fun with this. Oh, like, I, I like rooting for teams to score versus, like, I guess rooting for them to miss. Uh, I just, I mean, I just bet on the over. Life is too short to bet the under. Life is I want to see goals tonight. So, so far through the NHL season, I am counting – there are two undefeated teams. There are the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are two and zero, and then there are the Knights, who are four and zero and zero. You so, you missed one, boss. The Florida Panthers are two zero now. Ah, uh, Florida Panthers are also two and zero. So outside of that, I think it's still pretty interesting that there are a few undefeated teams four games through the season. So a lot of teams are three and one. Um, I see a couple two one and ones, a couple two zero oh and twos, which are pretty important. Um, yeah, I think actually, I, technically speaking, there's another undefeated team. The Dallas Stars are oh oh now. They are oh, <laughs> last place in the in the National Hockey. If they're going straight off of points, I'm thinking they might have to go win percentage or, or something to try to get the Stars back to even. Yeah, so I mean, the Stars are having a lot of games postponed. 
They might have to go. I would actually like to see points per points per game. I don't know what you're going to do. Is the problem is the problem with the NHL system, and it's the same thing with soccer too. Because they don't do just straight win loss, they get points based off of wins. And uh, you get a point for in soccer, you get a point for tying. In the NHL, there's a I think the point for an overtime loss in the NHL. There is a point for an overtime loss. Yeah, so because of that, it's gonna be tougher. Because for that, I know it's a loss is a loss, but you've done it for years that way. So if you're a team like let's say the Capitals, for example, if they had to go to winning percentage or two zero and two right now, you you're tied for first off points. But you can get fucked because the winning percentage. I, I, that's why I would go points per game because the Capitals have one in something, probably like one and a half points per game. And that's still higher than uh, the Canucks, let's say, who have played five games and have four points. So that's 0.8 points per game. So I'd like to – or like the or like the Blackhawks who are at 0.25 points per game. i like to see if – if they can maybe do something like that, where I guess it's not completely points, but it's how how you do throughout the season and in, in like the games you played. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do. There's no good solution because you're gonna have to change it up from something you've done for years. In that's order, all, that that that's all of this pandemic. <laughs> There, well, there were true. very little professional sports, if any, during the last pandemic, but... Uh, I mean, baseball Spanish got league? off pretty... Baseball got off pretty simple compared to everyone else. Well, if that's because there's no ties in baseball, and, and baseball does it off of winning percentage. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> um, so I guess outside of... I guess we're going to another... I guess going to another sport where there are no ties... Football, the playoffs, this is important stuff, people. It uh, is big, big, big time. We are we are in what is it? What is it? Super super championship round? Super ultimate semifinal championship round. <laughs> was it the was it the AFC championship? Yeah, so it's the it's it's the super NFC championship and the mega AFC championship. So I guess we can. So let's let let's start out with the. Wow, I guess what game do we start out with? Um, let's let, start let, off with the Bucks Packers because I want to just yeah. I want to save the kissing of Josh Allen's ass for last because I love Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen. He's the best. Um, I think I think with this game you gotta go. I'm sorry. I, I I I'm gonna get so much hate for this. I come from a Packers based family. You gotta go the Bucks. You can't. I mean, I agree. I've been, I was shitting on them earlier. You can't bet against playoff Tom. Playoff playoff Tom Brady. I think I was looking at. I was looking. At, I've been looking at highlights, and people say that he's not great or whatever. Like, like he was good in Belichick's system because he did did all these short routes. But I believe Tom Brady is one of these best guys um, because his completion percentage is beautiful. He doesn't in he doesn't throw stupid passes. So I think no, that's he's what... a very smart quarterback who knows how to read the field and knows how to play the game. But here's the here's an interesting trend. I don't know if you've noticed. So a couple of years ago, when we saw the Bears go on a double doink, sorry, Daniel. 
Uh, oh, you're not a Bears fan. I forgot. I'm not a Bears fan. Seriously, I thought you were a Bears fan. We saw the Bears go on double doink. And but at that time, it was really a defensive league. Defensive, good defenses are carrying you to the championships. That's when we saw the Eagles win with a good defense and a good offense. The year before that, or sorry, the next year is when we saw the Patriots, Rams, boring ass Super Bowl. But this is the year we're seeing it. it is an offensive dominated league. The Packers, Bucks, Bills, and Chiefs are the top four offenses in the league, and they're what? the top four. When you just restrain the schedule, yeah, they are. I like that. Interesting. Um, so I guess what is that? What, what does that mean? Does that does that mean bet the over? That means yeah, overs are a good play, and that means that we're really not seeing it as much of a defensive games. We're seeing teams with good quarterbacks and good offense winning, and I think that's where Tom Brady is going to have the edge. Because while I think Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are a better duo than anyone in the league, I think that Brady has a better is better all around than Rodgers and has a better all around offense than Rodgers. I think Brady can be more efficient than Aaron Rodgers. So I mean, here's the thing: is you have Brady has Godwin, Brady has Evans, Brady has Gronk. After after Devontae Adams, it's a huge step down, and I think that's the problem. So I am going to I'm I'm going to take the mic here for about a minute. So yeah, go. I come I, I come from a Packers family and my entire family my entire family lineage is very heavy Packers fans. So my grandpa was a really big Packer Packer fan, my dad's a huge Packers fan, my sister Kelly is a Wait, do you want to find her up for one second to ask a very important Packers related question? Yes. Does anyone in your family own stock in the Packers? My grandpa does. Yes, that's what I want to hear. Sorry, go on. So yes, so my sister is a massive Packers fan. So I, I get I get a lot of hate, I guess because I I secretly don't love them, um, and they're gonna listen to this and be like, what the hell? Uh, so I guess the issue becomes, um, how do I explain that the Packers that I don't think the Packers are gonna win? I'm gonna root for them, like sure, might as well, but how do I explain that the Packers? are probably not going to win. So how am I going to do that is basically just give you a, 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 a few updates. So remember, the, the, the Buccaneers beat the Packers, what was it, 38-3 to earlier in the season? Sure, it was the worst game of the Packers season by far. It was the worst game of the Packers season by far. But when you lose by 35, it's hard to – come back and win even though it's going to be in the snow everybody's talking about the snow tom brady is by far the most comfortable quarterback nfl quarterback in the snow ever and you can talk about aaron Rodgers now aaron Rodgers has done so much maybe brett Favre or like all these packers quarterbacks who are doing such great things tom brady is the most comfortable quarterback in the snow I bet he's missed it. I bet he has missed the snow. So if you have playoff Tom, this gives me 2001 champion uh, AFC championship vibes where it's the Patriots and the Raiders or something, right? Yeah, it was. That was the tuck tuck game. That was was the tuck game. So he he has lived through so many of these snow games. And people are saying that this – people always like to complain about the weather where – Oh my gosh! Like 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 last week, Le- Lamar Jackson, if he plays in the snow, is gonna beat the beat the Bills, and the Bills end up winning because it's not a snow game or something. Or like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams gonna throw for five hundred yards against the Bills. 
maybe, maybe not. Um, I, First of all, no one in the no one in the NFL is throwing for more yards than Josh Allen if they come down to shoot out in the playoffs because no one in the NFL can throw 900 yards in the air like Josh Allen can without trying to. Well, exactly. So I think the thing I'm going to say to wrap up this argument about why the Buccaneers will win is that the Buccaneers have a great offense. We're not going to deny that. But their defense is solid and their defense is healthy and they have Indomitian Sue going to be coming after Aaron Rodgers. And I think that they might be able to stop the Packers enough to to make I this make some plays or maybe get a few short fields. And then if you give Tom Brady a short field, good luck. Just good luck. I mean, yeah. You don't want to give Brady too few yards. I think the problem's gonna be in the snow. If it's snowing heavily, obviously that's when it's gonna to have to become more of a run game. And the question is, who do you trust more to run the ball? Aaron Jones or Lennon Fournette? And I mean as crazy as it sounds right now. I almost trust Fournette more. Fournette's had a great playoff. Or, or Ronald or Ronald Jones. Yeah, I mean Fournette's more of the I consider Jones more of like a passing back, more like the Stephen Ridley. Yeah, he's from he's his a good dominant eras. Back, but I think but here's the thing is playoff I, Yeah, playoff warning. I think this is very similar to the te- a lot of teams we've seen Brady have in New England. I think the running back duo is very similar. He's got like his Garrett Blunt type big power back, but obviously Leonard Fournette's a lot better. And Ron Jones is a better version of Stephen Ridley. That is, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, they will both play similar types of game to it, just better. So I think this is going to be, if it's snowing heavily or raining heavily, I think that's when you'll see less of a Jones and more of a Fournette-focused offense. Yes, but also I think, remember, if it's snowy, everybody thinks that means it's going to be a low-scoring game. Do not count on that. If it's snowing, I would say bet the over. I, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. If it was, it could be a literal blizzard where you couldn't see in front of you, and somehow, some way, Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to throw combined like five hundred yards. Exactly. Um, or or Tom Brady and whoever that fifth round pick out of Minnesota was, who made that insane catch on Sunday. Yeah, that guy. That guy. I think Williams or something. Whatever the the the, the rookie. Um. So I guess outside of that, we're both on the Buccaneers train. I am on the Bills train. I am on the Bills train too. I'm all in on Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen. I've loved Josh as much as I hate to say as a Patriot. Now this is where I'm going to go my rant. As much as I hate to say this as a Patriots fan, I want the Bills to win. I love Josh Allen. I think he is easily one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. He's playing phenomenal football. He's got a crazy arm, and him and Stefan Diggs have this crazy chemistry that is unmatched. But what makes them the best team, in my opinion, right now is Cole Beasley. Because everyone is focusing Ooh. on Stefan Diggs Ooh. and how he's been this superstar receiver. Cole Beasley has quietly been one of the second best number two targets in the league. I yeah, I I, I do I do agree with that a ton. So I think yeah, so if you're looking at this game just from like a, a numbers perspective, uh, Kansas City hasn't really lost. Like Patrick Mahomes is 24 and one in his last 25 starts or whatever the statistic is. Yeah, something absurd. But remember the the Chiefs have not won 
by double dig- dig- digits. They haven't played like the Chiefs we know. They have yet to be dominant. They've been winning all these close games. And the Bills, outside of, of like, what, against the, against the Colts, they were still up two scores in that game. I think... I think the Bills are hot. The Bills are hot. The Bills are a very good team. So here's the problem with the Bills, though. They're statistically one of the worst teams in the – or either one of the worst or the worst teams in the NFL against tight ends, which obviously is a big problem when you're coming against a team like Kansas City. But we all said that – we all said that about them versus the run with Lamar, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and all them last week on the Ravens. And they proved everyone wrong. Do they have a second trick up their sleeve where the defense can step up again and be like, hey, we're not as bad as everyone thinks we are? Oh, okay. Um, I have, a, I have a, a quick rebuttal. So my, so I guess our, our one thing is that we, we said that it's, if you lose by X amount, there's like no way you can come back and win the next game, even if it's at, at your home field. The Chiefs beat the Bills by nine at Buffalo uh, a few months ago. Does that play into any consideration um, no. going into this game? No, and I'll tell you why. Because it was early in the season when the Bills were still fighting their footing. Josh Allen has grossly improved since then. And I'll tell you what the biggest reason why it doesn't matter. Because if there's one place in the NFL – where its home field advantage really matters, it's Buffalo. The fans make a difference in Buffalo more than anything. So I think no fans there psyched them out because they're not – they weren't – that was early in the season. They the weren't Bills used were to not seeing the fans. No, they lost the Chiefs at home. Oh, okay. They went They went 7-1 at home. My bad. I don't have they weren't used run. to – they weren't used to it again. So they beat – if you look at the beginning of their schedule, they had – Two home games against the Jets, who were a little league team, and the Rams, who were a good win before that game. Yeah, well, like, so the, the Bills are hot coming because off, the Bills coming off a road. Go ahead, go ahead. The Bills won their last six games of the season by double digits. Yeah, the Bills are on a good streak here. I think the difference is the Chiefs are not. I think that Andy Reid is not going to be able to come up with something crazy this second time. Josh Allen only had 122 yards that game. Josh Allen is going to throw for more than 122 yards this game. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Josh Allen might throw for 122 yards in a quarter with the way I think this game's going to be played, quite honestly. I think this is going to be I, – I, uh, yeah, I could see this being a, 30, a 30-ish to high 20s game. So I could see a 30 I think both teams are. I think both teams are scoring 30. You're going to see a lot of points on the board. And you're going to be shocked when it's like four touchdowns to people besides Dicks. Hmm. This is the weirdest thing I've ever said, but this is about to be the Cole Beasley game. I think you're right. I do think you're right. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how, I guess, who, who do they put um, Matthew on? Who do they put Honey Badger on? Do they put him on Diggs? I think Diggs. I would assume. I can. I think Diggs can outrun him though. That that's the issue. Diggs had six receptions for forty-six yards and a TD mm. in that game on fifteen. Oh no, sorry, not fifteen targets. That's the long on eight targets. Mm. So yeah, um, I 
Well, I guess outside of that, what if the Chiefs are able to kind of like, like, I guess, spread out the field a little bit, a little bit more, and be able to stop the pass attack? Because remember, the Bills don't run the ball. Not at all. But the question is, do you think they can do that consistently? And what if Mahomes isn't fully 100%? Because let's be honest here. That was a big hit on Mahomes. It is more likely than not he's not going to be at 100%. And if there's another big hit, he could be done. That is true. I, I agree with that. And then if it's the we don't, the show. Yeah, we don't want injuries. But, I mean, we got to be realistic here. That was a huge hit on Mahomes. He couldn't return the game. He's just had a first non-con, not full practice, yeah, not full contact practice yesterday, and that's on Wednesday. There is a fully likelihood that he's not 100, percent so that would cause some problems for them. So I think that's gonna be a big factor too. I agree with that. So, but then I guess what's what's their strategy if Mahomes isn't 100? Because I it, what maybe short passes is get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. Maybe run. Yeah, probably that. I mean, because you don't want Chad Henney throwing the ball. Because Chad Henney looked like a disaster. Chad Henney looked like a high school quarterback. <laughs> he looked bad. <laughs> he looked very bad. He looked, he looked bad. Um, whatever. Um, so I guess outside of... Of that, uh, I'm gonna go on our. I'm gonna start with our a rant. I have a rant for you today. Ooh, okay. I'm all in on rants. Okay, so this isn't a child rant, but it's about a guy with a few children. Is Philip Rivers, who retired a couple days ago, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Fame quarterback? Go. Okay, so I've actually been thinking about this a lot. It's funny you mentioned that. I think we're getting to the point where it's really, really hard to judge if a quarterback like Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Because here's the thing. Is it's the same thing you're going to have a conversation with Eli Manning. Eli Manning has two Super Bowls and is in the top 10 for passing yards and passing TDs, as is Rivers, without the Super Bowl. So you think they're both going to be for sure Hall of Famers. The problem is that with the way the NFL is playing nowadays, people are passing more yards. Like Joe Montana has less passing yards than Alex Smith. Jesus Christ. So it's getting to the point where it's hard to gauge that that as a good and valuable statistic. It's almost an eye test now. Yeah, and I mean, personally for me, I don't think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. I think that Philip Rivers can't because he just doesn't have anything in the playoffs. Like, he's not good in the playoffs. I think, well, okay, I think being in the playoffs, I believe, is overrated. I think if you spent, if you dedicated 17 years of your life to a league and to a sport, and, and even more of that, that's at least, so, so 17, at least 25 years of his life um, dedicated to a, a sport throughout high school, college, and the pros, I think that deserves some recognition outside of it. Because he was, a, he was a starting quarterback for 15 years. Again, he's top 10 in, in passing. And he while he doesn't have a touchdown... Uh, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a Super Bowl. I believe that because of his, I guess like aura and his being him being able to trash talk all the time and just like fuck people over and also okay, children. hang on. Philip Rivers does not trash talk people. Philip Rivers is considered like one of the nicest people ever. He doesn't curse. His trash talk is like, hey, Josh Shepard, that was a really god darn good throw over there. 
God, it's like it's like um, whatever. What, what it's it, it's like uh, Andrew Luck. Yeah, but worse. So the thing is, it's gonna be tough to call. But I think Philbert's big knock is you need to be successful in the playoffs. He's not even even without even a Super Bowl. You can still be good in the playoffs. He made one championship. One. I mean, when you have teams with people like LT and Antonio Gates, you gotta be better than that. Uh, yeah, but again, remember those are all offensive people. What about? I don't know who he had on defense. I don't, I don't know. I mean, their defense is wherever. I don't know if he ever had that full team around him. I guess uh, tell us the defense is wherever terrible. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're not awful. I, he he also didn't have great coaches too, but I'm not gonna like hurt him on that. Yeah, but that's not his fault. I mean, bad coaches can win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think Doug Peterson has gone down as a horrible coach. Doug Peterson's not Bowl. getting another, another job. No, he'll get another job. Remember, Adam Gase got another job somehow. He's gonna uh, Doug Peterson's gonna be a Nick Saban assistant or something. He, that's where he'll start, and then he'll end up getting hired as someone's assistant, as someone offensive coordinator from that. And then from that, he'll get another head coaching job. That's how this works. Yeah, I guess. I think. I, I think, remember. I think Lane Peterson, Kiffin's. I mean, look who gets more chances. Doug Peterson deserves a second chance way more than someone like Adam Gase did. Lane, Lane Kiffin. <laughs> yeah, Lane Kiffin. Um, there's the other one I'm blanking who just got hired to be the Texas coach. Um, Steve fucking Sark Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. Yes. So yes, Sar- Sarkeesian's an alcohol addict. Addict. Um, he, when he coached at USC, he got fired because he literally couldn't stop drinking. And then, oop, he's on the Alabama st- side. Um, he ba- basically, I guess, stays sober. And now I guess he's the coach at Texas. I'm not sure how that happened. But... I don't know either. They're just like, hey, you've got, you've been too bad because you didn't win a national title in four years, so we're going to go hire Steve Sarkeesian to replace you. Oh, I, I hope Tom Herman gets something. He deserves Tom something. Herman, well, I, you should have gone and hired him if morales were low to be an assistant. Yeah, and instead of the Nick Saban coaching tree, we should have the Tom Allen coaching tree. Because apparently I mean, that's Tom Allen uh, stuff too. Yeah, Tom Allen already has two head coaches under him in, what, four years? Yeah. Let, 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 let's There's get really... Tom Herman as like the offensive coordinator. Our offensive coordinator left. Last year, we already got a new one. We got the new DC, too. Oh, true, because we got the guy from Georgia, right? Yeah, we just hired Georgia's defensive back coach. I mean, I have no idea if he's good at football, but he's a hell of, that guy's a hell of a dude. You know what? I'll, I'll, I guess uh, I guess we can we can see. I think I don't think IE's going to take a step back. I think we'll be fine. No, we'll still be fine. We lost some pieces to the draft, but nothing we can't replace. I mean, hey, we just drafted a veteran, so we support the troops, so we're going to win. We support the troops. That's how, that's how you win, support the troops. Right. Everyone knows that. All right. Well, I think, I think that is going to be the end of the episode, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the 15th episode of the Drop It podcast. My name is Daniel Penis. I am here with my co-host, Frank Todd. Frank, do you have any last words for today? DraftJoshAllen.com. You heard it here first. All right, boys. Mm-hmm.